0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. We have been looking at the life and the story of Peter, and we're going to come to a part of Peter that in many ways is when I would say his ministry decline occurred. Because after this, we don't see a lot about Peter, because Peter's going to do something that I think a lot of us uh, we probably have had to address before. And it's an issue also that uh, with this uh, uh, confronting someone, that we've been confronted by other people, and knowing that, we've have to confront people about sin and about th- things in their life as well. And Paul is going to confront Peter about his hypocrisy. Have you ever met a hypocrite? Have you ever been a hypocrite before? Hypocrisy is when you say one thing and you do something else. It's your actions actually do not line up with your words. Much of Jesus' teachings, what he spoke about when he spoke to the Pharisees, was all about hypocrisy because they held to the letter of the law. They knew their Bibles. They knew the Old Testament. Yet their life, their attitudes, their, um, the way they would make decisions, the way they would dishonor other people, in many ways dishonor the Lord, was complete hypocrisy. Jesus described them as a whitewashed tomb. On the outside, they looked really clean and nice. You just got pressure washed with a pressure washer, It's a nice-looking tomb, but on the inside, they were full of dead bones. There was nothing there, no life inside of them. Well, here is an example in Scripture where Peter, who is the leader of the apostles and the disciples, he is going to get confronted by Paul because Peter went back to his old ways of following Jewish dietary laws of eating kosher food and going back to separating himself and not eating with gentiles people who are not Jewish. And if you remember last Sunday's sermon, God was very clear to Peter. And he says with through the through Cornelius and through the vision of the sheet coming down and the different types of animals and God saying, "What God has made clean, don't call it impure. Don't call it common." He says it's okay to eat this food. Well, several years later, Peter returned to his old life because of some other Jews that came up from Jerusalem who were still eating kosher food and who were separating themselves still from Gentiles. Well, Peter returned to that. And Paul saw it. And he called them out publicly. And there are times in our life that we are going to find ourselves that we have to... Maybe the word confront is too... Strong, but restore someone or redirect someone to show them these are the. This is what God wants you to live. A lot of times, though, when we think about hypocrisy and we think about confronting someone, especially in the, a, a fellow believer, uh, we typically think of uh, the typical common sins. Maybe um, flirting with someone, losing your temper, losing using cuss words, uh, being mean and. Um, spiteful to someone uh, getting drunk just things things uh, common sins that we might encounter today but this sin here the one area that paul confronted peter was about jewish people separating themselves from gentiles over dining who they dine with and you think well, big deal. Why is this such a big deal? Who cares who Peter sits with it when he eats dinner? Why is this such a big deal? Why would Paul get so uh, passionate, so conviction centered over Peter separating himself and eating in a different table? Gentiles ate over here, Peter used to eat over there, but then he moved that table over there. And you would think, well, what's the big deal? If he wants to eat over there, let him eat over there. But Paul was trying to make a point because this had to do actually with a doctrinal issue. Because Peter, the leader there, by him separating himself and going back to the old Jewish law of kosher eating and not dining with Gentiles, he's saying, you as new and young believers in Christ, you also are going to have to separate yourself. This would be like me... We all know that salvation is through the simple faith of, and, and a commitment to Christ as your Savior. You place your faith, you make a commitment to Jesus, and He saves you. But then what if I went around saying, yes, you have to place your faith and commitment in Jesus, and then I said, and you don't need to, um, you don't need to watch uh, the, these television shows. Just something like that. And you go, well, well, yes, we don't need to watch those television shows, but what does that have to do with salvation? It has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is solely dependent upon the grace and the mercy of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Adding something on, like who you don with, what you watch on TV, or your church attendance, or something like that, in addition, that you're adding to salvation. This is actually an issue over salvation. Peter was saying, you've got to go back to your old ways of making sure you're eating Jewish food. And I think a lot of us, if we're, while we read this passage, we're going to say, have I added anything to what it means to be saved? Our salvation is solely based upon the Lord. Solely. We, we place our faith in Jesus and He is pleased because of that decision to follow jesus there is nothing else nothing nothing else is required of us there is no add-on or appendix or addition it is all and solely about jesus and all of a sudden peter he's going back to separating himself from dining with the gentiles and paul and he leads other people astray and paul looks and go peter what are you doing you just had a vision a few years ago with Cornelius and the, the, the sheep coming down, and now you're going back to your old ways? We aren't saved through what we eat. God isn't. We don't please the Lord if we eat certain types of food. We please the Lord because of Jesus, because we are in Christ. And then what's amazing about this teaching, we're going to read here. There's, and there's two sections of this scripture we're going to read. So you're in your Bible in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to read the first section, and we'll talk about it. But then, after he shares with us this first section about Paul confronting Peter, he gives us some of the best scripture we, we love to memorize. Some of our favorite Bible verses are going to come after that. But it is set up from this uh, issue that came about here with Peter confronting Paul. So we want to take this in our life, and we want to ask God, says, God, is there any hypocrisy? Is there anything that I have added to your word? Is there any addition? Is there anything I'm trying to please you, God? How do we please God? It's actually going to show us here in text. We please God by faith in Jesus Christ. Do you want to please God this morning? Do you want to live for the Lord? That, that belief in the Lord Jesus, where that is complete dependence upon Him. Complete dependence means, Lord, I've trusted You with where, when I pass away, that I'm going to heaven. Lord, I trusted You with my finances, my marriage, my children, my grandchildren, any area of your life, our country, uh, the, the numerous problems going on in our, our land that we live in. We live, this is the 4th of July weekend. We love our country. You, we could just go through and talk about all the grievances of our country, but we don't want to do that. Our focus, our trust is completely upon the Lord because that is, that is who saves us. He's our security and He brings us through all the way to completion. And completion is heaven. Our goal is we live for what's to come. We live for, for heaven. That is what it means when Jesus goes around and he kept talking about the kingdom of God because he's saying this, this, this world's not going to last. Wonderful world. God has blessed our world, but it is not our home. We are living and headed towards something greater. So that's our passage here in our Bible. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. 11 but when cephas that is peter came to antioch what's wild about this whole passage antioch is the capital this is the missionary sending center so this event is occurring not even in jerusalem this is in current day syria this is in northern it's along the mediterranean area it's north of Israel. And this is where all Paul's missionary journeys went from. This is a Gentile Roman city. This is not even filled with Jews. But Peter goes up to Antioch. So he's with all these Gentiles. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now that is harsh language. Paul is saying, he came up here and I opposed Peter. I let him know. What he is doing is wrong, and this is really a change in church history. Remember, when you start the book of Acts, Peter is the leader of the disciples. He is leading, the the Lord is doing great things through Peter and John, and we see him, the first, first eight or nine chapters of Acts, the key leader. This event is a turning point when Peter starts moving to the background, and Paul becomes the new leader as a missionary, because Peter messed up on his doctrine. He is adding something to the gospel. And Paul got it right. Paul knows his Bible. He knows what biblical salvation is. So he's, he's opposing him to his face. No, this isn't, he's not gossiping about him. Paul went straight to Peter. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem that would have been the capital of Judaism. So these people from Jerusalem came up with Peter. So I mean Peter had been down there with them and they all come up to Antioch, a Roman gentile city. And he's with some fellow Jews. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. He's going backwards. He's going back to breaking away. So I can't associate with you. I'm going to go over here in this private room and have dinner. And Paul sees this and thinks, "What are you doing?" And it says he feared them. The Bible teaches us that we should only fear the Lord. Why do we only fear the Lord? Because it is the Lord who saves us. It is also the Lord who, when we do, you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, Satan doesn't throw you into hell. It is the Lord who casts you into hell, because he is the one. Satan deceives people and leads them to hell and blinds. He basically blinds them from the truth. You know that is how the devil works. He's a blinder. That's what he does. He blinds people from seeing the Lord. I want to tell you if you're ever faced with temptation, if you're ever Uh, your face is situation where you might be tempted to look or do something and you know it's wrong the best question to ask is in that moment and you can do this is how the lord will get you out of this because the bible says he always provides a way out what are the consequences of me doing this if i commit this sin if i do this if i look or i talk about this or i buy this whatever you're going to do what would be the consequences. What would be my family consequences? How would this affect my marriage, your children, your grandchildren? How would this also affect um, maybe your friends? What would other people think about you all of a sudden when you start doing this? How would it affect your reputation? But most importantly, how would it affect your relationship with God? How would he be hurt by this? So when you are confronted with temptation, you ask that question, What are the consequences of this decision? Peter apparently didn't ask that question. He went straight into this. It says he feared. And when we fear the wrong people, the only person we're supposed to fear is the Lord, the Bible teaches. Well, he became afraid. He became fearful. He became concerned about his appearance with other Jews. What would they think about me? And that leads him to sin here so he's worried and it says verse 13 and this is what happens with hypocrisy then the rest of the jews joined his hypocrisy so that even barnabas this is what's amazing barnabas who's been on a missionary journey with paul he was led astray barnabas is the man known for encouragement But he began to follow Peter, and he went in the back room. And he's separating himself. This means they're adding on to something to salvation. They're doing something. God said, no. Think how the Gentiles felt. We were ready for fellowship, but they can't even sit with us. Because they're reminding us that we're Gentiles, and they are Jewish as if they're a different level. That's what Peter's doing barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy but when i saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel that's how important this was this was adding on you they're adding to god's word deviating from the truth of the gospel i told peter in front of everyone if you who were a jew live like a gentile and not like a jew how can you compel gentiles to live like jews like what are we doing here, Peter? Are you just going around trying to get people to live like Jews and Gentiles? Like that is not what our business is. We are here teaching faith in Christ. That is all that matters. Pointing people to Jesus. Now, now this passage here, we see Paul confronting Peter. Jesus actually gives us instructions on what to do if you ever have to confront or maybe restore someone maybe you know of someone that you're going to have to have a talk with they are practicing sin they're doing things that are wrong or immoral and you know something needs to be addressed there needs to be a conversation jesus actually i'm going to put up here on the screen jesus actually gives us the plan for doing that and i tell you this is conflict resolution straight from jesus this is god's plan of helping restore conflict. And the key word there is restore. When there is conflict with another brother. Now this applies to other Christians. Because people who don't follow the Bible, people who don't love the Lord, they might not respond to to this. Because their, their desires are not to please God. They don't live for the Lord. They aren't born again. But for those who are saved, if you have another brother, another sister in Christ, and that you need to have a conversation with, Here's the principles. Number one, this is Jesus' standard for restoring another brother in Christ. It says, this is based on Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. You go to that person alone. Meaning, you don't start talking about other people. You find that person one-on-one. For the most part, from my experience, overwhelmingly, like 90, 95% of the time, this solves the problem. If you have an issue with someone else, you go to that person. You go straight to them and say, hey, we, we've got this problem right here. We need to talk about it. This goes against the Bible. This isn't going to work. This is against our values. What are we, how are we going to make amends on this? How can we be restored? 101 is the top priority. And then you get to level two. And he says, you go again to that person but you bring one or two other people with you. Meaning you bring someone with you with a greater purpose of saying, hey, other people, I've talked to them about this, they agree, this issue needs to be addressed. And now you've got two or three people talking to them about whatever problem it is. Again, notice there's no gossip, there's no going around, there's no social media, it's just going to that person, bringing one or two other people, talking to that person. And then if that does not work, Jesus tells us in verse 17 to go to the church. You tell the church, that's a body of believers. And if the church doesn't listen to them, you treat them like an unbeliever, which means you cast them out, you remove them from church membership. You go. Why would that matter? Because what it's saying there is that this believer has had three different opportunities with the goal of restoration There's a sin issue, and they refuse to repent. There's other people that agree that this is a problem here, and it needs to be spoken about, but for whatever reason, their heart is hard, they refuse to do this. And only one time in my life have I seen it reach level three. And that was by uh, a couple going through a divorce. And she uh, there was adultery involved. It just wasn't a good situation. And uh, basically, she said, fine, take me off the church roll she got removed that was it and it was sad because she refused to repent now he wasn't perfect either but we've literally followed this plan straight from matthew chapter 18 and we just go down this go down this uh uh format that jesus has given us to say one-on-one then bring two people and then bring the church body and say we have this issue in the church and the goal of that is is purity before the Lord? You want to be able to stand before the Lord and says, "Lord, we have done all we can do by following Your Word and following Your command according to what Scripture says right here." So Paul, what he's doing in this right here, he's going to Peter publicly. You say, why is he doing it publicly? Because Peter was publicly leading people astray. Publicly, this wasn't a private sin of Peter. He's going out, he's about to sit down and eat, and say, I'm not going to eat with the Gentiles. In fact, if you fellow Jews, you come me, we're getting the private room over here, so we don't be near them, those unclean people. Paul looks at that and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're gonna publicly do this, Peter, I'm gonna publicly confront you for your sin. You are literally leading people away. That is God's plan for restoring other people. Right there it's it's get, paul displays it publicly because it was a public sin and not only that Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 18 the threefold way of addressing this and i want to tell you this works That's step one 95% of the time if you, there's a problem there's a problem with your spouse problem with your children problem with your grandchildren what it, you just you go talk to them one on one you don't even start with anyone else it's between you the lord and that person that is it and the sooner the better, the sooner the issue is talked about, you do it that day. Jesus tells us, do not let, or Paul writes us in the book of Ephesians, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning if, you, if you've been hurt, you've been offended, something, something has happened, you need to pick up the phone, you need to send a text message, you need to take care of it because that, you don't want yesterday's problems dragging on into the next day. New day will have some new problems, new challenges new things to address. You deal with that uh, ASAP. That's conflict resolution according to the Lord. And it's, it gives us a, a model for that. Now, second part of this message here is rich scripture that we live for. So Paul, he has just addressed uh, Peter publicly about his hypocrisy. Now he's going to take that opportunity for a teaching to teach about who we live to please. And it's not to please uh, Gentiles. It's not to please other Jews. It's to please the Lord. And He's going to teach us how we're to please the Lord. All of us here this morning say, you want to please the Lord? Absolutely. You want to be a a uh, Christ-centered, Bible-living Christian? This is the way we please the Lord. So I want you to follow along here in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. We are Jews, now this, you have to read this slow because this is getting into doctrine teaching. But you read it slow, you get it. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And you notice he put that in quotation marks saying, Peter, we're we're not, you can't look at us as Gentile sinners. That's not the appropriate way. You look at people as people who are saved or people who need to be saved. That means they're lost, but they need to be saved. You look through the lens of this person needs Jesus Christ. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, No human being will be justified. Now, that is a hard Bible verse, but that Bible verse is packed with information. Being justified. Let me explain this. This is actually how we're saved. When we pass away and we stand before the Lord God, the Bible says that we will all face judgment. The Lord God in heaven, God the Father, will look at us. And if we, according to this Bible verse, we have believed and placed our faith in Jesus Christ, His Son, He will not see us guilty. Remember, what sends a person to hell? It's unforgiven sin. Someone does not have the blood of Jesus that has covered their sin because God is a holy, perfect God. Sinful people cannot go into heaven. Sin does not go to heaven. What occurred in the Garden of Eden, none of that has been gone through. Every human being can go to heaven. So what happens, the Lord looks at us, and he sees that man, Daniel Osman, has been justified by my son. And justified, the best way to remember it, if you're a child, you're going to remember it just as I've never sinned. It's you've been made right in the eyes of the Lord. God has looked at you and said, you are innocent. You're not condemned. You've been cleansed by it. So Paul's saying here in verse 16, we ourselves have been justified, and this is not, by works of the law meaning there is nothing we can do to please god like our actions we don't do things to please god what pleases god is our faith in his son jesus that's what he's looking for and this is hard for us because a lot of us like you maybe uh, you identify with me you grew up in church And you're told right and wrong things you need to do. Every Sunday, do this, that, and the other. And you just live for Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night. And you're just in a routine. And if you're not careful, you have a daily devotion, you have a prayer life, you have a prayer journal. And you're just going through. It's almost like you add all these spiritual things to your to-do list. The problem with that, that's not salvation. Those are what we call spiritual disciplines. And those are wonderful practices. But if you miss a day or a week or a month, you don't lose your salvation. God no longer loves you less. He's not less pleased with you. Now, you might not see answers to your prayer, and you, you might feel spiritually stagnant, and you might feel you're going backwards in your relationship with the Lord, but you, you're no longer lost because you've been saved by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by your faith in Him. He's the one who saves us. You say, well, pastor, what about the man, the woman who's gone 40 years and hasn't done anything for the Lord, doesn't have any patience? Then at that point, they have to say, okay, do they, are they saved? Do they know of the Lord? Because God's not going to allow someone to just backslide for that long and be totally negligent of their relationship with the Lord. Getting saved is not a prayer we just pray. with VBS one night and they say, all right, I got my certificate signed. I'm going to heaven. This is daily. Paul's saying this is daily living for God. You please God through his son, Jesus. All right, keep going here in your Bibles. We're going to read the next Bible verse here. We're talking about the doctrine of salvation. Verse 17. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners, you put that in quotation, while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. Meaning, Paul is saying, with that by verse, because you have been saved and you've been forgiven of the sin, you do not go around sinning because you've been saved. You don't promote sin, you don't encourage people to sin. You've been saved from sin. So sin is something you've been redeemed, set free of. You no longer live that way. That's what Paul's saying here. You live for the Lord. Now he's about to tell us how. He's saying here, you, he's, giving, he's laying out the plan of salvation. You've been justified, not by works, nothing you can do to get saved. It's all by the work of Jesus. We make a decision to trust and to follow and commit our lives to Him. He saves us, and from then on, we realize we don't want to sin anymore because we're now saved by the Lord. So here's the next step. He's going through what to do. Verse 18. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, that's the old Jewish law of separating themselves, what Peter just did. Don't worry about eating kosher food. Don't worry about sitting in a different room than Gentiles and not entering a Gentile person's house. That has nothing to do with salvation. That's not how people are saved anymore. In the Old Testament, that's God's people. That's what they were to do. That God had set them apart for their holiness for the Lord. But now in the New Testament has occurred. The covenant is changed. It's saved through salvation in Jesus Christ. For through the law, I died to the law. So that I might live for God. Don't miss that verse. For through the law, I have died to the law. That's no longer me. I now live for God. I mean, Paul is saying, I don't live for following any type of rule. I am in Christ. Christ has found me uh, pleasing because of His Son. Nothing I did. I'm not better than anybody else. I am a guilty sinner who was saved and redeemed solely because of Jesus Christ. We never get over our salvation. We never get past the moment where we trusted Jesus as our Savior. Now look at this next Bible verse. This is one you should memorize. This is a Bible verse that should be all over your house and all over everything you own. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul's saying, I died to the old way of life. That is no longer me. And he's saying this rich Bible verse in context of what Peter's saying. He's saying, Peter, that's not you anymore. You've died to this. Who cares who you eat with? You don't need to be worried about separating yourself. You go to anyone. He, he's saying, for us here in Lexington, you actually have the freedom in Christ. You can do anything you want. You could go where all the drug dealers live, you could go to uh, immoral places, you go to the bar. You, Paul's saying you you have freedom in Christ, but you have died to sin. You could be among these people, but you no longer live that way. And he's telling us you no longer live, but it is Jesus Christ who lives in you. So if you are among immoral people, among people who may be different than you, who have different beliefs than you, you want to think I I want to see these people saved. I want to see lost people know the Lord. Do you know? I was with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's still recovering. She's Her little jaw is still frull, uh, very much swollen and bruised, all over. Very, very self conscious. And we went to a place this week because she's getting anxious at be, uh, being home all the time. So we went somewhere, and it was um, a place. And we went there, and you know, when you see someone who's a Muslim, who's Islamic. You can tell by their clothes, especially the women. And it was filled with people who were like that. And when you see that here in our city, that should tell you two things. Number one, Lexington has a lot of different types of people from all over the place here, as we all know this, all over this place, in this city. And number two, these people do not know Jesus. People who did not—they were not born and raised in Kentucky these folks, and they do not know the Lord. And what Paul is saying right here in verse 20, this is when you see people, you realize you have been crucified with Christ. It's only because of Jesus. Your old life has died. You've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's not me. I'm no longer living anymore. It is Christ who lives in me. Meaning Jesus Christ takes over who you are. It's like you were possessed by Jesus Christ. He owns you. Every decision, the way you spend your money, the way you talk to other people, the way you view other people. So you should not see people saying, what are all these people doing here in Kentucky? How are, the What's this such a diverse place? We say these people need Jesus. They need to be saved. We need to have a baptistry that's filled with people coming from other faiths, coming to place their faith in Jesus, getting saved that is what a god-centered christ-centered attitude mindset is no longer me it's not my preferences not what i want it's not my cultural heritage my home is in heaven that's who i live for that's where i'm going i have no clue what's going to happen here in the united states we love our country we pray for our country we want revival we do everything we can for america we love our state but it's christ that's who i will live and live for and look at the last verse here I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Meaning, if there was any possible way other than Jesus to get saved, then this is just pointless. Paul's saying, why, why would we do this? Peter, if there was a side door, if there were some few little things you could do over here to please God, to gain His favor, to go to heaven then the death of Jesus, the cross, is meaningless. And for us this morning, as we wrap up this message, I ask you, have you added anything to the gospel? Meaning, is there some other way you feel you're trying to please God by something you're doing? If you feel like, I need to do this, or be this type of person, or, or, or work over here, we step back and we say no. No. Then that's adding to the work of the Lord. You are actually reducing the work of the cross to something that isn't sufficient. What Jesus did on the cross and how he saves us, we place our faith in him and we are saved solely by him. And he saves us for an eternity. We don't lose our salvation, we can't add our salvation, we can't improve upon our salvation. It's all about Jesus. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And this morning we say that to the Lord. Lord, I have been crucified. My old life is dead, it's gone, and now I live for you. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to have our invitation. We're going to have our invitation. We're going to respond to God. If you heard this message, this is a message on salvation. Paul took... By confronting Peter on his, his error of going back to his old life, he then took that and taught all the people there in Antioch about salvation, how to be saved. And this morning, if you want to be saved, you walk this aisle and you come take my hand. Our deacon stand up here as well. You come take our hand. And you can pray and place your faith in Jesus this morning. You can also join Broadway Baptist Church. This is our time. We respond to God. So we're going to sing in our songbook. Hymn number... Jesus paid it all. So I'll be waiting for you to respond.